You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The province's top doctor says tests confirm two more patients here in BC have the coronavirus. Both patients are visiting Metro Vancouver from China and are linked to the patient confirmed on Tuesday. That's now a total of four patients in BC, all exhibiting only minor symptoms. But as Jordan Armstrong reports, experts from the World Health Organization are warning we're still nearer the beginning of this outbreak than we are the end. The provincial health officer says the two additional cases were among family members of a B.C. woman in her 50s who tested positive for the virus earlier this week. These two visitors are um, a man and a woman in their 30s and they have had il illnesses that are compatible with uh, the novel coronavirus. All are now in isolation as B.C.'s health minister urges anyone who's traveled from Hubei province in the last two weeks to do the same. And if you're sick, stay home from work. If you're sick, stay home from school. Right now, we're just anxious to get on a flight, I think. That flight evacuating 176 Canadians from Wuhan, epicenter of the outbreak, is now en route to CFB Trenton, Ontario, where they'll be quarantined for 14 days. I think it's pretty reassuring that we'll be able to get to go home. Home is still just a dream for the more than 200 Canadians quarantined aboard the Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan. The captain is going to allow small groups of passengers to go out of their cabins, uh, specifically starting with passengers with interior cabins. That's cabins that do not have windows. Hopefully, uh, the people like myself that have balconies will be allowed to go out a little bit later today. So far, 41 of the ship's 2,000 passengers have tested positive for coronavirus, including two Canadians. In Hong Kong, around 30 Canadians are stuck on this ship, but no cases are confirmed. My understanding is that they're screening passengers, and once this screening is completed, obviously we'll have a better picture as to what kind of assistance we can provide. And now a third ship with several Canadians on board and with reports of one suspected case is stranded at sea near Taiwan. There are now more than 31,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus, the vast majority in China. At least 638 people have died, all but one of the deaths in China. To put it Bluntly, we're shadow boxing. We need to bring this virus out into the light so we can attack it properly. All right, Jordan joins us now live. You mentioned that plane is on the way to CFB Trenton. It's actually going to make a fuel stop in Vancouver in a couple of hours, we hear. That's right, Chris. That first plane carrying the Canadians is going to land here at YVR just after 8 o'clock this evening. The passengers will stay on board the plane during the refueling. The only exception being if one of those passengers has gotten seriously ill during the flight, then that person would be taken off the plane and transported to a local hospital. The plane is going to stop several hundred meters away from the terminal at a remote stand, so it's not going to come to a gate here at YVR. If all goes according to plan, plane should be up on its way to CFB Trenton by about 9.30 this evening. So a very quick stop, Chris. All right. And more coverage of that changeover coming a little bit later on Global and online. Not surprisingly, there has been a major increase in demand for disposable face masks. It's become so great, one Vancouver pharmacy is doing a special promotion selling its stock of the mask. 
The Seymour Healthcare Center on Hornby Street says it had 400 boxes of masks for sale. After posting about the inventory online, they say people lined up at the door at 8 o'clock this morning. Public health officials say there's little evidence the masks do anything to protect healthy people, and they say hand washing is more effective. Now to the big changes coming to ICBC. The province announcing today the public insurer will be moving to a no-fault style system. It's being billed as a major upgrade that will reduce legal fees and save drivers hundreds of dollars in premiums. But as Richard Zussman tells us, that's not what everyone thinks. This is the current fiscal situation at ICBC. Despite the success of our reforms to date to douse the dumpster fire, the burned-out bin is sitting in front of a building that hasn't been renovated in 50 years. And now the province has plans to renovate. Premier John Horgan and Attorney General David Eby announcing the largest reforms in ICBC's history. People deserve lower rates. People deserve better care, and they deserve to be treated fairly. The changes are expected to save British Columbia drivers an average of $400 each. And the savings come from mostly taking the ability away from someone injured in a crash to sue. Right now, if you're injured in a crash, the system pushes you to call your lawyer instead of your doctor. This is how the province is going to do it. The proposed changes include huge increases to benefits while cutting down legal, payout and settlement costs. Under the current system, ICBC spends $700 million a year in benefits, nearly a billion dollars in legal, nearly a billion in pain and suffering and more than a billion dollars in settlement costs. The new system increases benefits to nearly $2 billion while drastically reducing all other costs. This is going to lead to a bigger bureaucratic ICBC. If British Columbians were to suffer from a catastrophic accident, they will now have to deal with ICBC forever. ICBC customers can sue when a driver in the crash is convicted of a crime or a manufacturer or auto body shop is found to have done faulty work. The BC trial lawyers say this is taking away people's basic rights. British Columbians should have the right to have a choice for who treats them and how much those treaters charge. The changes are similar to the systems in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has not seen a rate increase in five years, but it's falls short for those hoping the province would break up ICBC's monopoly. What they're doing is really reducing choices for BC drivers at the same time when BC drivers say they want more choices. If the legislation passes as expected, the changes will come into effect May 1st, 2021. For now, the province promising the basic insurance rate will not go up next year. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on the changes announced today. Keith, no fault insurance has been tried before in B.C. and it has failed. So what's the difference now? Well, the NDP tried to bring in no fault back in 1997. The problem back then, it wasn't really well thought out, and uh, no fault didn't have much of a track record. Uh, so they abandoned that scheme. Uh, but since then, of course, we've seen no fault uh, set up in shops like, as Richard mentioned, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. And insurance rates there are lower than they are in BC. And in fact, in Saskatchewan, drivers have a choice between the traditional tort system where you can sue people or the no fault system. And guess what? 99.5% of the drivers in Saskatchewan opt for the no fault. So it's going to be an easier sell for the NDP this time around, even though they're going to be facing a battle from the trial lawyers as they were back in 1997. I don't see them caving here. This is going forward under David Eby, and I don't think they're going to abandon it like they did in 97. All right. Keith Baldry and Victoria. Keith, thank you. Right. A B.C. Supreme Court judge has rejected an attempt by the Vancouver Taxi Association to temporarily stop ride-sharing companies from operating in B.C., 
Taxis were requesting an injunction to park Uber and Lyft until the court can hear a judicial review of the Passenger Transportation Board's decision to approve the ride-hailing company licenses. The taxi operators say since ride-sharing started, their business has tailed off significantly, and they're demanding a level playing field. In denying their claim, the judge says it would not be in the public interest and called the Taxi Association's evidence anecdotal. Yesterday, RCMP warned they were prepared to enforce an injunction against those interfering with a northern B.C. pipeline project. Today, they followed through. Dozens of vehicles moved into the site and arrests were made. But as Jill Bennett reports, it's unlikely today's action means an end to the protests. Here it is. Invasion of the territories. Supporters of those opposed to the coastal gas link pipeline say RCMP moved in early Thursday morning and started arresting people at a supply camp. 13 marked and unmarked squeeze vehicles and one RCMP van uh, drove up to 39 kilometer and arrested six people. Here's your RCMP convoy. Wickham says those arrested were peaceful and not obstructing the road. They were not in breach of the injunction, so we were really surprised to hear that the RCMP went in and arrested everybody. RCMP say they were committed to the seven-day discussion period that had been agreed to by the Wet'suwet'en, but because there was no agreement, the decision was made to start enforcing the court injunction. Right now, no one can enter without permission from us. We demand that we come and visit our territory. By our law, you cannot stop us. Certainly it's not the outcome we had uh, hoped for or have been working toward uh, over the past uh, number of months. Uh, we are continuing to be hopeful that there will be a peaceful resolution and our dialogue with the Wet'suwet'en and other people in the community will continue. In Victoria, supporters of the Wet'suwet'en gathered at the BC Legislature. We recognize that if consent is not necessary for these projects to happen, then that sets a dangerous precedent for uh, Canada to infringe our rights on any of our territories. No pipelines are still in need of land! And in Vancouver, supporters also gathered for a rally in March to show support. They then marched to block one of the roads leading to the port of Vancouver. We need to dig in and um, RCMP say once work has been completed in the remote area near Houston, B.C., the exclusion zone now in place will be removed. Jill Bennett, Global News. RCMP need your help identifying a bank robbery suspect who pulled a gun on a clerk. Take a look. The man had his face covered and was wearing sunglasses when he walked into a salmon arm bank back in October, pointed a handgun at a clerk and demanded money. RCMP say he's about six feet tall with a skinny build, 30 to 35 years old. If you know who the person is, you're asked to contact Salmon Arm RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Another chapter tonight in the tragic death of a teenage girl that serves as a reminder of the importance of driving carefully when it's dark and raining. Two men were convicted today for driving without due care and attention after they both hit a teenage girl in a marked crosswalk. Romina Dea has the story. Do you have anything to say to the victim's family? I don't have any comment until after the trial. Well, it's an accident. Nobody wants to want this to happen, right? Guilty times two. Kaiman Chu and Paul Oliver Wong have been found guilty of driving without due care and attention, a conditional stay on all other charges under the Motor Vehicle Act. There was no criminal intent here. It was uh, ad- advertent negligence, inadvertent negligence, which it could happen to any of us. 
14-year-old Fernanda Giroto, an exchange student from Brazil, was on her way to go sledding January 17, 2018. The teen was crossing in a marked crosswalk in Burnaby when she was hit by Wong. As Giroto lay in the crosswalk, she was hit again by Chu. The teen became wedged under the vehicle and was dragged 40 meters before Chu stopped. The teen died from blunt force head injuries. When you strike a pedestrian in a lit crosswalk, uh, even though it's a dark rainy morning, um, uh, clearly they weren't paying attention. The accused, not speeding, not impaired, and both cooperated with the investigation. Defense argued the victim was wearing dark clothes, the crosswalk design wasn't adequate, and it was raining. It was a typical rainy morning in Vancouver in January, much like this very morning. So it really is uh, not an excuse. The family hopes that the innocent vi further innocent victims will not have to die in order to effect improvements on the roads or the driving ability of those that use our roads. Two other people were struck by vehicles in the same crosswalk within a week of Giroto's death, prompting the city of Burnaby to add a pedestrian-controlled traffic light. Crown would not go into specifics, but Peru will be asking the judge to impose a fine and a driving prohibition. Defense counsel for both of the accused are against a driving prohibition. A date for sentencing will be set on February 10th. Romina Dea, Global News. Right now, though, we are hearing tonight from the Kamloops teen who was rescued Monday morning after spending more than 24 hours alone in the cold near Sun Peaks. Carson Hadwin had been snowboarding at the resort when he became lost. And in this exclusive interview, CFJC's Jill Sperling spoke to Carson about what happened on the mountain. Oh, yeah, it's your turn. Carson Hadwin is easing back into everyday life happy to be home and happy to be alive after spending more than 24 hours alone on a mountain. I just kind of thought about something else, happy feelings. On Sunday morning, the 14-year-old took the shuttle from Kamloops to Sun Peaks for a day of snowboarding, something he's done many times before. Carson knows the mountain well, but around 11.30 a.m., he made a wrong turn on a run he's been on before. I went down and I took a right instead of a left. It was an accident. Carson realized he was lost about an hour later and attempted to dig his way into a shed. After that, I just gave up, went down more. And then uh, there was, I heard snowmobiles, so I kind of went in the direction I heard them. When Carson didn't make it to the 4 p.m. shuttle, his father, Brian, was notified. I know my son. His communication with me is top-notch. And uh, I hadn't heard from him in a little bit, and he would never miss that shuttle home. It wasn't long before search teams and RCMP converged on Sun Peaks. And by morning, Carson got a glimmer of hope. I saw the spotting plane. Several hours later, Carson was spotted by search volunteers. We heard from the police that, uh, you know, they were saying, you know, we're pretty sure we got him. And they'd found me in a meadow. Carson had nearly made it to a road when he was loaded into a helicopter and brought to the Sun Peaks Community Health Center, where he was treated for frostbite. Thank you to everyone that helped. I don't think they would have found me if 
without that. Jill Sperling, CFJC News. A long-time Nanaimo businessman was facing an uncertain future after a devastating crime. Dave Lawrence has been cutting hair there for 13 years, but after losing expensive equipment and some rare collectibles in a break-in, he wasn't sure if he'd be able to carry on until word got out. Global's Brad McLeod reports. Yesterday I came to work and all my, my door is unlocked and my, uh, all my tools and clippers and scissors were gone. Dave Lawrence has been cutting hair for 13 years in his downtown Nanaimo barbershop. But after an overnight break-in, he figured he would have to close his 50s-themed barbershop for good. He had no equipment to cut hair, he wasn't insured, thousands in cash was taken, and bills were due. On top of this stolen sentiment. I noticed that my collectibles were gone. I had uh, older 60s G.I. Joe in the box, uh, Pulp Fiction action figures, all kinds of neat stuff that I collect over the years, just gone. He wasn't the only one hit, and the circumstances are unusual. There was no damage to Dave's front door. We know some other shops in the downtown core may have been broken into that night, and keys may have been used in those as well. So we're seeing if there's any connection between those. The issue is island-wide. An increase in brazen crimes in downtown Victoria led to businesses there considering private security. It's everywhere. Lawrence says break-ins in downtown Nanaimo are beating entrepreneurs down. Hey, thanks, brother. Thanks so much, man. Cue customer and stranger support. Um, people just stopping in, though, and, and giving me 50 bucks, giving me 100 bucks. A friend of Lawrence's started a GoFundMe, already quadrupling the goal. Lawrence is no stranger to giving. He has helped hundreds of kids have a fresh start each school year. Handed me this envelope and $60. He's already bought a new security system, has new clippers, and anything left over will go to his fresh start charity. It is such a silver lining that the community has really rallied and pulled together just to help out my family. It's amazing. It's, it's just shocking. Brad McLeod, Global News. A new safety system is now up and running on the Patella Bridge. TransLink has completed testing of an early seismic warning and wind monitoring system that was recently installed. If a quake or significant wind is detected, traffic control gates, similar to those at railway crossings, will come down to block entrances to the bridge. The system will also feature warning lights and digital bridge closure signs. The Semiamu Fish and Game Club in Surrey is in cleanup mode tonight. Last Friday's rainstorm caused the swollen Campbell River to flood the club's coho rearing pond. That pond contained some 35,000 juvenile fish. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, the club still doesn't know how many were lost. This parking lot that we're walking in right now, you'd have to swim through it or have very high hip waders to be walking through. Only once before in the Little Campbell Hatchery's 35-year history in South Surrey has the river spilled its banks this badly. By 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock on Saturday morning, it started to flow across the parking lot and into the, into the hatchery itself. Not only did the rushing waters guide wild trout inside the building, it threatened to sweep juvenile hatchery fish out. With a crew here all night on Friday night, protecting the, and pumping water out of the, uh, the containers where we raised the, um, the steelhead trout. However, there was nothing they could do to protect the tens of thousands of young coho being reared in a low-level pond. 
But while some were later found trapped in deep puddles carved out in the parking lot, no, lunch. It would seem that most of the coho took shelter from the torrent at the bottom of their pond. When the water cleared a little bit after a couple of days and we started to feed, we were so relieved to see them all still here. It's a very happy ending. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Holy f***ing carnage. I mean, frickin' carnage. Feel the heat on the windows. A huge explosion and fire caused by a train derailment forced the evacuation of a small village in Saskatchewan today. The CP train was carrying oil when it went off the tracks, a number of cars bursting into flames. The fire burned for hours, sending thick smoke into the sky. About 80 people were evacuated from the town of Guernsey, about 100 kilometers southeast of Saskatoon. There are no reports of any injuries or damage to structures. The cause is under investigation. This is the second derailment in as many months in this area and locals say they're getting frustrated with a lack of information from CP Rail. Donald Trump did a victory lap today after his expected acquittal yesterday of impeachment charges in the U.S. Senate. The president praising his allies and slamming his critics and opponents and using a profanity to describe the process. Calling it a celebration, President Trump tonight savoring his Senate victory. We went through hell unfairly, did nothing wrong, but this is what the end result is. It's the only good headline I've ever had in the Washington Post. The president unplugged, riffing for more than an hour. I never thought a word would sound so good. It's called total acquittal. Praising a packed crowd of political allies. Mitch McConnell, I want to tell you, you did a fantastic job both buoyant and bitter, unloading on the Democrats and the relentless string of investigations. It was evil, it was corrupt, it was dirty cops, uh, it was leakers and liars. Punctuating his anger with an expletive. It was all bullshit. And this message to the people of Utah. And tell them, I'm sorry about Mitt Romney, I'm sorry. It wasn't the first time today the president attacked the only Republican who joined Democrats voting to remove him, earlier shattering the bipartisan tradition of the National Prayer Breakfast with swipes at both Romney and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Romney today with NBC station KSL standing by his decision. I believe that when I swear an oath to God, I have responsibility to be exactly truthful, and I am truthful and, and did what I believed was absolutely right for our country. Pelosi firing back at the president. He's talking about things that he knows little about, faith and prayer. Well, four days after the vote, there is still no clear winner of the Iowa Democratic caucuses. This fiasco doesn't do the Democratic Party any good. The Monday vote was plagued by major computer and organizational issues. Now the state's Democratic Party is rechecking all the vote counts to make sure everything adds up. The latest numbers have Pete Buttigieg holding a razor-thin lead on Bernie Sanders. Iowa is the first state to cast their votes to pick the party's presidential nominee. The prosecution has rested its case in the sexual assault trial of Harvey Weinstein. Six women have testified, all claiming Weinstein sexually assaulted them while holding out the promise that he'd get them ahead or 
that he would get them ahead in Hollywood. Weinstein, who was one of the most powerful producers in the movie business, has said all of his sexual encounters were consensual. It's unknown if he'll take the stand in his own defense. Mississippi is cleaning up tonight from heavy storms that spawned tornadoes. The tornadoes toppled dozens of trees and took down power lines. A teenager survived the storm inside this home by taking shelter in a bathtub. The twisters left a path of damage at least eight kilometers long, but there were no fatalities or serious injuries. In Health Matters tonight, Variety is helping provide technology to improve the lives of young people with type 1 diabetes. Last fall, a young woman named Parker received a CGM, or Continuous Glucose Monitor. Her new CGM will send an alert to her or her father if she ever has a dangerous blood sugar level. Until we got this fantastic gift from Variety, right? There was no way for me to know what she was at throughout the day. She can go high or low while she's sleeping as well. Um, so this will actually send us alerts uh, so we can correct the problem before it becomes a medical emergency. Hey sweetie, I noticed your sugars are getting a little bit high. Continuous glucose monitors are an essential device for any patient with type 1 diabetes. Unfortunately, it's not something that everyone can access funding for easily, so it's very important to have um, funding agencies like Variety be able to help with some of those costs. The 54th Annual Show of Hearts Telethon is live this Sunday from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. You can call in with your donations or visit Variety's website, variety.bc.ca. Or as you said yesterday, do both. Do both. <laughs> Double your money. <laughs> You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A spectacular sight in Antarctica where a British scientific expedition caught the moment huge parts of a glacier collapsed. Gigantic pieces of the William Glacier crashed into Borgen Bay on Anvers Island. The scientists estimating the pieces of ice weighed thousands of tons and were nearly 40 meters high. Some pieces were the size of a city block. Collapse covered nearly a kilometer of the glacier and some pieces were so large they fell down to the seabed. Night cameras in California capture what appear to be some unlikely friends. Right after the forecast, the coyote and the badger playing together and sometimes working together. That sounds Very like cute. a fable. It does, doesn't it? A children's <laughs> book yeah, totally. of some kind. All right, let's check in with Christy now and a look at uh, our forecast. That snow's disappearing on the yes. south coast here. Uh, yes, after we've had a couple of days of rain now, certainly disappearing, but the rain here has meant for snow inland. Uh, this is Kamloops this morning, heavy wet snow there and uh, in Bridge Lake, which is in the Caribou region. Thanks to Lauren for that one. Uh, so, yes, they're getting snowfall there and there's more on the way, everyone. Here's a look at the system that's going to push in. So tomorrow morning, the rain will be light here. It's more so tomorrow afternoon that I'm expecting some delays in our travel uh, for the commute home or if anyone's just traveling for the weekend because we're going to see heavy rain across our region and heavy snowfall from Whistler North and then uh, Hope 
east because there is snowfall warnings and I'll show you that in a second. But also this low pressure center is going to track across a region. So not only are we going to see heavy rain, but we're also going to see windy conditions. So wind warning in place for the outer coast of west of, uh, of Vancouver Island. So those are gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. For our region, which is the area in yellow, is under a special weather statement. So we're just below warning criteria, but we'll still see very stormy conditions. So 50 to 70 kilometer an hour range. And with that range, we likely don't see power outages, but we certainly could see some delays in the ferries. So if you're traveling on BC ferries tomorrow afternoon towards the evening hours, you may want to check with BC ferries before headed out because that's where we'll see the strong winds. And these are the snowfall warnings that are in place. The Coquihalla and Kootenai Pass in particular, 30 centimeters of snow picking up and becoming heavy through the evening hours tomorrow again, right when everyone's traveling. There's your Friday, everyone. Sunshine in the north. We will see snowfall from Prince George through the south, changing over to rain in a lot of these areas, but that's just for lower terrain. It will stay as snow for the mountain passes. And for our region, wind and rain for the afternoon hours. We'll see that right into the evening, and then it clears out just in time for the weekend. And I'll leave you with this beautiful shot. This is from Massett, which is on the northern edge of Haida Gwaii. Floyd loves the little bit of snow that he sees. Thanks to Guy for that. <laughs> Floyd loves snow. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Looks like he's having fun. Thanks, Christy. All right, night cameras in California are capturing images that look like something out of an old Disney movie, including what you might think is an unlikely friendship. A coyote in a culvert playfully jumps at a badger. The two then wander away together. Now, it turns out this isn't really unusual. Experts say coyotes and badgers often hunt together. The cameras also catch a full-grown buck moving under a freeway, paying no attention to the roar of traffic just above his head. There is a serious reason for the 50 wildlife cameras in this area. The video will be used to shape future urban planning to minimize the impact on wildlife. Very cool. Uh, Okay, yesterday, what were we talking about? We were talking about the Rolling Stones, weren't we? Mm -hmm. Were we? Okay. Was it yesterday or the day before? Oh, it might have been the day before. Was yeah. it the day two days ago. Something it was two days ago. <laughs> okay. It was two days ago. They're all yes. going by so fast. We were talking days. about it. And it's been talked about on Twitter as well. We uh, saw those hints being dropped a few days ago. But today, the Stones made it official. They will be bringing their no-filter tour to BC Place in May. There's something about the rhythm of hitting the road. It gets in your blood. It's taking you 13 and a half years to come back to Vancouver, though, guys. They'll be at BC Place Tuesday, May 12th. Mark it on your calendar. The second stop on their schedule. It's also the only Canadian stop. Tickets are going on sale February 14th. But, but, and it's a big but, we've got your chance to win tickets. All you need to do is go to globalnews.ca slash contests to enter, and you could score a pair of tickets to the big show globalnews.ca slash contests. I still think scientists should be studying Keith Richards mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. find out how he is still above ground. All the things <laughs> that guy's question. done in his life and he's still going, which is great for us. All right, last minute changes, but... Well, the Canucks had to make last minute changes mm-hmm. and it was very surprising. And I would suffice to tell you, it's one of Vancouver's worst nightmares. It's taking place in Minnesota tonight. Elias Pettersson could not play because of a lower body injury. Now, this was a surprise because he did practice. He took warm-up. The Canucks aren't saying what the real reason is, but I'm guessing it might have something to do with that big hit he suffered against uh, the Bruins on Tuesday. 
All right, so this was it. Elias Pettersson talking to one of the Canucks therapists after warm-up and then walked to the dressing room and never came out for the game. Jake Vertanen sees Roussel get hit. I don't like that hit. You're going to answer for it. That's what you want to see. Make Jason Zucker answer for that. All right. First goal of the game. That could have been a penalty on the Canucks right there. But anyways, it ends up being a goal by Brad Hunt. Maple Ridge guy. Played in the BCHL. 1-0 for Minnesota. Jacob Markstrom kind of, I don't know, geeks himself out there. He was going to pass it one way, then he tries the other way, and it ends up going in the back of the net. Ryan Hartman with the goal as Koivu gets it. That was not a very good pass, but it went right where it had to. And it's 2-0 for Minnesota. Then, Kevin Fiala. Now this goal basically happens twice in this game. Fiala makes it 3-0 on the power play and then a Canucks power play. And JT Miller, it's not exactly the same goal, but it's pretty much the same kind of goal. So 3-1 in the second period, Minnesota leads the Canucks. Uh, one thing we have found out about the Vancouver Whitecaps over the years, they always seem to be making a lot of personnel changes every winter. And because of that, they should be wearing Hello, My Name Is stickers at every training camp. And this year is no different. The chemistry looked a little out of sorts in their last preseason game when they lost 4-1 against the Galaxy, but they are 1-1-1 in games that don't count, with another exhibition game this Sunday against Portland. Bon matin. Bon matin. The Whitecaps are using this training camp to really get to know each other, literally. More than half their current roster are new players, and many of them are new to Major League Soccer. So it's been up to the returning guys to help get the newcomers up to speed. Playing with new guys, it's always going to be different. You always have to learn their new tendencies and how they want to play and where they, you know, where they want the ball at some points, when, when they make runs, when they don't. So I think it's just all kind of everyone just getting used to each other. Mark DeSantos has certainly increased the talent level, bringing in players like Lucas Cavallini, amongst others. But just as important to DeSantos is to make sure the new guys are a good fit in the locker room. One of the things we're very, very careful with is um, the character, personality, and the background of the new players coming in. We backed off on good players due to informations that we got extra field, and now they are in a group, and so we're very careful with that. That team culture has been a point of emphasis. Combine better talent with an even better attitude, and success will follow. Every person that wears the Whitecaps um, badge this year understands the four cornerstones of what it, what it means to be a Whitecaps player, what it means to have work ethic, what it means to be in a team environment with team spirit. You know, it's huge that everyone buys into how we want to play. Everybody buys into the system and they buy into the team. And it's the chemistry that we want to build. And if you have good chemistry and good, um, you know, good camaraderie, then we're going to have a good team. The Whitecaps should be much better this season. It all depends how the new players fit in. One promise from the coach, Whitecaps fans will not be disappointed with the effort. They'll see a very aggressive and intense team. They're going to see a difference in that part a lot. And that side, I have 100% certainty to talk about it. Pebble Beach. Look at that. Beautiful. Pebble Beach Pro-Am and Wayne Gretzky, one of the Ams, playing with his son-in-law, Dustin Johnson. It's nice they gave a Canadian TV time because the leader is Nick Taylor of Abbotsford. You never saw him. No point putting a camera on the leader. He has a two-shot lead at eight under par. 
All right, this is Canon Belgium Olympic qualifying basketball. This is Kia Nurse, whose older brother Darnell plays for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. And this is a former SFU grad, Neil Raincock. Akunwe with a basket here as well. Canada won this game, so now all they do have to do is beat Sweden on Saturday, and they are in the Olympics. Rock legends sometimes lead mundane lives when they're not well, on stage. Even rock legends have to do dishes. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> we just heard from... From, from the uh, Paul Hyde's other half. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Hyde, of course, when I was a younger man, I bought the Payola's records with Great Eyes albums. of a Stranger on it, and Paul yeah. Hyde was on the cover. Uh, at Chernoff Fine Art Gallery on uh, East 2nd, he has a whole bunch of his collages on the wall until February 15th. This is now how he makes art. Yeah, that's going to go there. Paul Hyde has been an artist mm -hmm. most of his life, and that life has been as diverse as the collages he currently creates. It's Castro on um, whose body? Steve Marriott. Steve Marriott. Steve Marriott's body. This is Clapton's SG, is, is what it? this is called, yeah. There was a time uh, Hyde's artistry came uh, with a guitar and, uh, as well, as the front man for the Payolas. And the Juno goes to Bob Rock, Paul Hyde, Eyes of a Stranger, Payola. What is the difference between creating this, or any of these, and creating a song? There's a way of, there's a construction set for songs. I'm not sure there is for this. Like I, I can do anything on this and get away with it. I can't do that in a song. The song has to be, you know, you have to have a chorus usually and a verse chorus, verse chorus, blah, blah, blah. This is hair and uh, fur. And for Paul, there is one big advantage to expressing himself this way. He no longer has to perform in front of an audience. I, I never liked performing because I got really bad stage fright. And as you get older, it gets worse. Um, and it, uh, like I haven't performed live for about five years now, and it's, it was such a weight off my shoulders when I, when I stopped performing. I still rec you know, record and, and, and write, uh, but uh, I have no desire whatsoever to perform right. musically, publicly anymore. So the wall of a gallery or someone's home is now Paul's stage, complete with a little picture of himself as a child as a signature. I just thought it would look good and, and be unique because yeah. um, you got to make it unique in a way. So if you walk into someone's home and that skull is on their wall mm -hmm. and they're playing Eyes of the Stranger at the same time, <laughs> which, which brings you more pride? Uh, both. Both. Equally. Yeah. So I'm still making money off Eyes of a Stranger. <laughs> <laughs> once, once I sell that. That's true. There's that's, no royalties there's no on this mo, There's stuff. no more royalties. Bring on the royalties. <laughs> it's a one-time deal when you sell the uh, collage. I like his art. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's great. We would still love to see him on stage again. That's true, yeah. Play the records. Yeah, yeah. well, I still hear Eyes of a Stranger all the time. So you should. That was, that's, that was a great song. Also done at Little Mountain Sound. Is with Bob right? Rock. Yeah. Bob Rock was mm -hmm. in the... Dirty was Water was Yeah. Hammer on a drum. Hopefully you're wrapping up dishes very soon, uh, Paul. <laughs> Last word on weather before we go. Sure, a stormy Friday, that's for sure. It's the commuting hours I'm concerned about, wind and rain. I'm also concerned if you're traveling uh, or heading out anywhere, Whistler, out towards the interior. Um, we're expecting significant snow on all of the mountain passes tomorrow, especially in the evening. All right, good to know. You've been warned. Thanks mm -hmm. very much, Christy. Have a great night, everybody. Good night, all.